Sweet. Okay. Welcome to Just Jack's Just Chat episode 28. Um, we've got a special guest on today. He's our first of our nation series. We've got Michael Kusoff back in the house. He's also the first on the video call <laughs> first as well. On the video call so if you're not well. watching on YouTube, check us out on YouTube and uh, you can actually see Michael sat next to us essentially. There he is. There we go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, somebody called me there, but uh, yeah. Uh, it's an honor to be uh, the first guest on the Just Jacks. I keep that right here. Uh, I think it's cool you guys are in the UK and like kind of blending, um, you know, your own view on things. Yeah. So, uh, cheers to you. Cheers uh, to hopefully, you. it it spreads spreads a little bit more around around the rock here. We are, we are, we are trying. Um, but yeah, I guess just, just on that, we obviously you're our first, you're our first guest, Michael, and it, we just got on well, didn't we? We just sort of saw things in the same, in the same sort of way, um, got on really well, and, and we've continued that relationship. So look, really, really happy to have you on again. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Um, I like that. Um, that video you guys shot at Archer Field that looked dope. Yeah, it was. It was, sweet. It was, it was well, a good experience. I, I did tell you, didn't I? Like, after after we came off your conversation, I was like, we we I've barely been to Scotland like yeah. playing golf. <laughs> I did tell you, I was like, yeah, I did. True. I did say, I did tell on our on our um, on our last podcast that I was going to go up and play there Actually more, and then that, the that sparked our reaction to going to go to Archer Field. Um, nice. We didn't really have any direction with the video like we have now. We're obviously going to start a review series called Just Jack's Golf Tracks. Yeah. So that sort of acted as the pilot of that, you know, how we how we go about videoing, how we go about approaching these old traditional clubs and saying then we're gonna take a video camera around. Like it's a bit of a new thing for them. Yeah. So like Yeah. We we're, we're trying to get that right first, I guess. Yeah. Um we'll get there. and work out how to approach that. Um So we went so down now, to London Golf course, Club yeah. with that approach. Um so the footage hasn't come out yet, but we did something we did an actual review of London Golf Club. Um and they were actually sound like they they were fine with us with the camera like they the staff actually embraced it and they were like actually i think the staff opened up more when they were on camera yeah there the were a younger set of there yeah. were younger yeah. members members of staff though that's so, interesting yeah but um, yeah michael um i guess for anyone who, who listened to the last one do you want to give us an update michael like where you at with things now you've obviously been on a few cool trips since we last spoke um you've developed your your practice even further and as I've seen quite recently, recently there's a new sort of business venture you're you're going down. So t- talk to us. What, what's going on? Oh here? yeah, okay. Yeah. What are um, you? Did I fly to Salt Lake yes. before? After two weeks after. after it was after. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about that. Trip. Okay. Yeah. So that was very cool. Um, there was a gentleman who reached out to me through Instagram actually okay. to say. Um, I like your approach to the game of golf and I like how you do it. Like, uh, just because you're, um, you know, spreading a message of information, um, doesn't mean that you have to change the character that goes along with it. And he, um, you know, him and I were kind of on the same level as far as the way we thought of movement and the, neurological connection to like a good golf swing versus a bad golf swing, all these different nuances that go along with that. So um, we basically went back and forth on the phone a couple times and said, you know, what can we do um, to, you know, tie this all together? And a major theme was 
you know, when you're out on the golf course, you're a little nervous yeah. versus when you're on the range and you could just rake another ball over and hit yeah. the ball and you don't have to hit it again. So it doesn't matter. Um, so we figured, okay, what can we do to change the physiological processes in our body relative to how well we can focus? Uh -huh. So that's what we use those glasses for. They basically could uh, record what you're looking at and then record where you're focusing yeah. with like a little white ring on the screen that the recording was, was on. so sick. That's, those glasses. That's, that, that technology is like, think about that. I've seen it. I've seen it, but in other practices, I've never seen it in golf. So it's awesome to see, like you say, like you can, it's, I mean, was it a big setup those glasses or was it pretty straightforward? Just a set of glasses hooked up to a computer. Pretty, pretty straightforward, man. Um, they had uh, a, like a battery pack uh -huh. that I had in my back pocket, and then the wire ran back down through my shirt, um, but not bulky at all. And it was funny because he didn't tell me that they recorded audio. Okay. Uh, so after after uh, I saw the footage, like I'd be watching YouTube videos of like. Uh, it was, I think, live leak, uh, near death experience videos. Oh, like people, <laughs> people like doing like cartwheels on the edges of skyscrapers and stuff. And I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> uh, so when I would see that stuff and hear the recording, I'd be like, holy shit! And then I would have to go and get, like, a ball or something. Um, so it was that was funny. Uh, that was a fun part about it. But um, basically, like none of the information just comes from the recording. Uh, what we have to do is figure out okay, how long uh, in terms of this metric or uh, a measurement called quiet eye time, uh -huh. which is basically the last fixation of your eye on the golf ball relative to the first initiation of movement off of the ball. Okay. So that was the way we measured focus, okay. basically. And he did a ton of the calculations and stuff and crunched a lot of the numbers. So like I could not have done this without, yeah. without him. Yeah. Uh, is his tag on Instagram is Python Optics. Okay. Uh, does a lot of stuff with volleyball, honestly. So um, he's got a lot of big projects going on right now. Um, so I caught him at a good time, really. Um, and that's that, that's something Michael I was, like the ideal amount of time in my pre-shot routine relative to the quiet eye time was right around like 400. 50 milliseconds or something so that's how long i should be focusing on the ball before i pull the trigger and it was a case study again because it was just me doing it you know i we didn't have any uh you know placebo effects of uh you know other things we would tell other participants so it's not like this is law you know but um it was pretty consistent throughout my good shots relative to accuracy you know outcome of this is the amount of time that you should be focusing on the ball. Like it was all within like, uh, I want to say like four or five or 40 or 50 milliseconds, Okay. okay. you know? Um, so that was interesting to see as far as my own game went too. But uh, cool trip. Yeah. Very cool no, trip. It, look, it looked absolutely yeah. awesome. Uh, on, that, on that, Michael, as well, what I'm interested in that part as well, people talk about swing thoughts a lot. What, what, what are your thoughts on what you should be thinking about as you address the golf ball? And, and how important is that pre-shot routine 
relative to the outcome of your of your game? I think it's crucial, man, because the 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 decision making process should stop like after you can't see the ball on your target anymore. I think like you can assess your lie, you can get up to the ball, you can figure out what the wind's yeah. doing, what club you're going to hit, how the ball is going to react, all these different things best when you're looking at the ball and your target at the same time. So I think the pre-shot routine is crucial to clear your mind yeah. after you've made your decision, you know? Um, you're not going to hit a ball any better or worse because you get better in between the time that you're looking yeah. at the ball and yeah. you're hitting the ball, you know? So I think the important thing to realize is, like, you don't know what the ball is going to do. So, like, don't even try to manipulate the swing. You yeah. haven't hit it yet. So um, I think that entire process of like making your decision and then sticking with your decision because yeah. it's the best you made yeah. um or could make at the time i should say yeah that, so that I, makes that's sense. the important part yeah because I, th I think that whenever i play my worst it's because i'm indecisive about what shot i want to hit and i'm still the ball yeah. thinking oh was this the right club maybe maybe it's a club too long we'll try and take uh, a bit okay. off this and then i hit a bad swing a bad swing and bad golf shot yeah um, yeah, but it's interesting you're talking about decision making and clearing the mind, like, and the roles TBD might have to play in golf in helping that process. We've seen Phil Mickelson and allegedly Tiger Woods both delve into, into CBD. Yeah. Bubba Watson came out last week, week before, talking about the benefits of CBD in golf. Um, and I guess it must be because of I, I know there's physiological um, benefits to it, but maybe it's more about your swing thoughts and what position you're in mentally before you hit the golf ball yeah. that's really going to impact yeah um i i honestly haven't heard of anything uh healthier as far as pain relief and reduction in inflammation than cbd to be perfectly honest like even ibuprofen is pretty bad for you yeah um all those uh like painkiller type like advil things uh, they're they're not the greatest for your body, but CBD is good because it doesn't really um, harm your body. It just attaches to the CB1 and CB2 receptors that are responsible for inflammation in the body and the brain yeah. too. So Already in the body, anxiety. And then linking um, in with we had NV Golf, yeah. one of their products because they split their main product line into three different ones, um, and one of them was called Clarity. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. and that, yeah. that basically fit in with what you've just said, Michael. Where if you've got a clarity of what you're gonna do, don't let your mind distract you from what you've already planned to do because you haven't hit the shot yet. Just have a clear mind and go and hit your golf yeah. shot once you've made your decision. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Let's see if that would help. That. I'm. I'm also uh, reading a book now called "Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself." Okay. And essentially, what happens is if you envision uh, bad golf shots or you thinking about negative outcomes of your golf shots before you even hit the ball, that um, sends a message to your brain too because you have the feeling within you. You know, it's like uh, so this is not going to be successful. You know, we've always, we, all of us have been over a shot that we're like, oh my God, like this is not going to go well, you know? But <laughs> well, well, for me, Michael, because you'll not know, but Mitchell obviously is fully aware of this. I, I don't like playing with drivers or woods. Well, any any sort of wood. 
uh, especially off the tee, because I have just like the most wicked slice ever, to the point where I can control it, but I have to aim so far left to anticipate it coming back around and land on the it's fairway. A it's a mental block though, isn't but, it? I know that's going to happen, so I I even compensate for it. So mentally, that's always going to be the outcome because that, yeah. that's what my, my brain's expect, telling me is going to happen. Your body of else, and then yeah. even if I do catch one straight, it's going into the trees because that's where I'm fucking <laughs> aiming. So, yeah, that's something I need what to get What the fuck? Like, you're talking to a golf instructor here. Send me a video. Then, oh, uh, yeah. I will. I will. Definitely. We'll, we'll do that. But, however, I, I have used Mitchell's extra stiff shaft on his driver. That's... Out of context, I could have been. <laughs> 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 uh, and I yeah, oh, and I I could uh, I could drive that pretty straight actually. Um, <laughs> the other driver I have is uh, is a very flexible <laughs> shaft, so yeah. <laughs> Fuck with such kids. Yeah, uh, I'm learning a lot about you here, man. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Dude, Sorry. but it's a mental block. A yeah, has to do with timing, though. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of it's timing relative to the weight. Right. So you have to understand two things: like you're hitting, and you are behind the ball most of the time because the the ball position is up off your front foot. So that's just there to help you hit up. So um, you don't have to flip your hands at it or anything like that. Like right. you stay back here. And you just let the ball position kind of dictate, okay, the club is rising up through the ball, you know? Yeah, okay. Um, you're going to hit a bonnet. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to iron shots, you compress the ball a lot more. Yeah. Where they can stand. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I, I, I do need to get some of that. I'll send you a video for sure, Mike. I mean, at, le at least it'll give you a laugh. I mean, that's... <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, um, on that glasses actually, did I know you said that you were um, you were testing out different things like people near death experiences and that sort of thing. It's really interesting to see where your where your eyes are going. I've seen some YouTubers do videos where it's like they'll watch like anime cartoons that are like dead raunchy and stuff, and, and they've got to try not to look at like tits and ass and stuff. And it's like it's quite funny because naturally as a bloke, that's where your eyesight's going. Like looking at the wrong things. Like I'm not looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> some good videos if you can get yourself get, get a hold of the glasses again mike honestly you should do it just get yourself on youtube well, watch yeah have, <laughs> have, they're like they're like 20 bucks and they have uh they have a camera in the oh no the way, no way. So, yeah yeah so um that's me there we go that, that could be some funny content for you if you just kind of like try and challenge yourself not to look at that is any of that stuff <laughs> it, it, it's so weird though like the the mind plays so many tricks on us yeah like if you can learn to dictate your mind and control your mind then you're going to control the outcome yeah. that's just in general life right yeah i know i know it's something yeah, you think a lot about michael from your content is you, you you're all about you do a lot of self-improvement work i've noticed um and you do a lot of working out to better yourself and better your mind like me and michael also do and that, that, that applies to everything, not just golf, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think, like, the the more you are able to, like, analyze the situation and then react to it instead of just, like, being an animal, basically, yeah. and just, like, uh, you know, exposing Reactive. all of your initial knee-jerk reactions, yeah. like, that's a lot of what, you know, being coherent is yeah. like, that's what it is to, to be a human is like, okay, uh, I have this situation here in front of me that makes me feel a certain way, but like, how am I going to react to it? And how am I going to 
deal with it, yeah. you know. That's, uh, okay. yeah. that's golf as well. Yeah. 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 Where's your next Just Jacks uh, golf tracks going to be at? So it's going to be at a local, my local course. Uh, have you heard of Close House? I, I've, I post a lot about it. It's um, it's the host of the British Masters. Uh, it's hosting there next year. Lee Westwood's the attached professional. So it's oh, that's sick. Um, so yeah, that's gonna be it's gonna be there. We're gonna do like a play and stay review almost. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's dope. They've got two championship courses. It's uh, where it is. How beautiful is it? It's, it is. A, it's an amazing set, and their clubhouse is so high tech. It's like futuristic style clubhouse, it's, but it blends awesome. into the golf. And you can wear well. you can wear spikes. You can wear your cap. Like it's it's casual but prestigious but affordable. Like it's it's managed to blend everything. That, yeah. You know, th- that's good about the game in one, I think. Um, that's crazy, dude. So we're going to go then, I think this week or next. We haven't got a date sorted, but yeah, it's, it's going to yeah. be there. Um, and then it'll just wait. be a case of trying to get through as many as possible, really. Um, we've got a few that yeah. we can instantly go to, but we want to kind of make it quite spread out. So we don't just want to just do all northeast. We want to yeah. try and like do a and We want to do everything. different courses. Like we, we love like, you guys call it municipal courses. Like we, we've got our versions, like a par three course, for example, is what yeah. our version kind of would be. Like we see massive value and benefit of those tri- those those fucking golf courses as well, Definitely. and we want to promote yeah. that as well because obviously, if you start on golf, you're not going to go and get a membership at a place that's going to cost seventy to two hundred no, pounds a month. Not, like, you don't know if you like it. Yeah, you want to go and spend ten pound yeah. and see if you enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, you got you guys could do. I don't know what the like. Uh, rules on where you live in the UK apply to the St. Andrews courses. Yeah. Like if you're, I know it, ha- it has something to do with being uh, a resident of Scotland, but the the deal was so affordable to yeah. be a member. It was incredible. And hearing you say that like this, this big uh, two course facility with a sweet clubhouse is affordable is just like amazing to me yeah. because that's really not the case over here yeah, like right. if you have yeah. a nice golf course yeah it's like you know not it's not that inexpensive you know yeah um so to go out and play at the municipal golf courses is definitely affordable but like a nice course with a nice clubhouse like you need to have some cash yeah. you know uh, to be a member there for sure. And you've 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 uh, obviously worked at a lot of these facilities, haven't you, Michael? Like, how how much would it cost generally? For, like, a fishes is a fishes island that you you posted about not too long ago. Yeah. How how much yeah. cash you talking there, or is it is it ridiculous? Um. To get it, well, I don't really, um, I don't want to say how much it is to play the course, you know, as yes because i don't know if they would want me to divulge okay. that. all right no no that's cool yeah, yeah. that's fine some, some like low-key private spots like they don't want other people right. to know like how it is yeah so Fair enough. um but it's it, it, those places are like it you obviously have money but like it's not as much as some other courses it's just the fact that like um, you need a member to invite you and, yeah, you, you know, it's exclusivity. a lot of times like that member, um, may be liable for your actions at the club too. So yeah. if you, uh, gain membership to, uh, one of the courses that I worked at, if you, if you gain membership there and then you act like an idiot, like that member who vouched for you right. is also on the chopping oh, okay. block because I like that. Like, 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Uh, yeah. No, no. Fair play. I appreciate you don't want to just. Yeah, no, but that's, that's I, I guess the, the, yeah. the, what, the point I wanted to make is it's just like the, the culture difference between the UK and North America in terms of how you can play a prestigious course are miles apart. There's exclusive courses in England, but you can also play a really, really, really good golf course, and it's not yeah. hard to get on. Yeah, dude, so true. Um, I played one of the. I don't know if it's public or not, but Crail, the Crail Golfing Society. That's nice. yeah. Was, that, that's on the uh, that's on the East Coast, isn't it? I think so. Um, oh, what's what's I, next to? Next to like uh, Muirfield or something. Look. Crail. Yeah, dude, Crail. Crail was so sick. Um, Society. The it, it was on the water a little bit, um, and then they had this cave on either like uh-huh. seventeen or eighteen or something. Uh huh. Um, had a sign there about like this king. I think it was King Constantine or something was murdered in this cave <laughs> in sixteen fifty two, and it's like, oh my god, like crazy, you know, but. Uh, I have a picture of the sign. I'll have to send it to you guys. Yeah, um, definitely. We just looked on the map there. It's, uh, it's like east of St. Andrews, right on the very tip on the border. So it's uh, right on the sea. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually a place called yeah. King's Barnes as well. Yeah. King's Barnes has been on the top, top of my list for a long time. Like, it, it, you should see how beautiful that place is. Yeah. We can go. We'll get it. We'll yeah. Get it out. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yep. See, it's on the radar. See that, that that's, uh, that's so important for me as well. The golf course is like the like I'd love like natural beauty. And if I'm on a golf course and there's a view that like that takes my breath away, that's how I re- that's that, that's what really gets me. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I think that's important too because over here we have uh like a top 100 of golf courses that comes out every year, yeah. but the same magazine puts out the list every year. So it's like. Okay, um, this is the top 100 golf courses in America as ranked by this magazine yeah. for you know every year. It's like okay, but um, what do other people think about other golf yeah. courses that are on this list? You know, yeah. it's like the same courses every of year course. on the list. Yeah. You could almost predict the top 10. Yeah. You know, um, and I feel the same way. Like some golf courses, I've got up on the tee and I looked out and I'm just like, wow, this piece of land is gorgeous yeah. like yeah it's just very visually pleasing yeah. and to say that like a course needs history or it needs this or that it doesn't need anything besides your enjoyment of playing a course and how you think it looks yeah. you know yeah um i don't know that's I so think personal it's very as well no exactly that's yeah a personal thing like yeah. you can enjoy it however you see fit and a lot of these magazines as well like not to be too cynical but the golf courses who are in the top 10, 20, some of them are probably paying yeah, the golf magazine say, a bit of cash to... Yeah. Yeah. 100%. 100%. And it's a bit true. contrived and a bit manipulated. Yeah, and the fact that magazines are on the down. I know from first hand that magazines do openly go out and ask for money to be published because they get X amount of read, but it's like they're, it's they're, it's magazines game. are dying game, unfortunately, so they will definitely be charging people to be in the magazine, but especially something like that. Um, oh, shame. But, yeah, like you say, it's it's the, the same hundred courses every time. So why would you buy it? It should just be. Oh, these are hundred new courses. It's a new edition. Yeah. Like every book's going to be relevant then. Yeah. Like, yeah. As long as they're just honest about their opinion on the course, it doesn't matter whether it's a top one hundred or not. Do the people want to play it because it's in their area? Exactly. And, and again, what we're trying to do with Just Jack's Golf Tracks is perhaps maybe expose some of those golf courses that 
people haven't really heard about maybe yeah there's some hidden gems everywhere there's hidden gems everywhere definitely that's important too dude because technically you're stimulating the economy then if people didn't know about those golf courses um they do now and <laughs> yeah. they have another you know they have another tool in their belt um especially over there because the golf culture is like etched into the you know the uk really yeah. a lot of it yeah. um whereas here like it we love it we love it 100 percent. but like if you know you ask somebody uh in the uk or in uh you know, Russia or China, what's America's sport? They'd say either baseball or football. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas the UK, they'd be like, I don't know, like a lot of the UK plays golf. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, that's a fair either golf yeah. or I mean, definitely Scotland. Definitely. Oh, if you say Scotland, Scotland it's like, it's yeah. golf. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Golf yeah. and rugby, yeah. And then yeah. England, soccer, and yeah, golf up there as well. Yeah. It's because it's everywhere and everyone can play. Yeah, England, would, yeah, England just have football, rugby, cricket, and golf. Yeah. I would say they would be like, Oh, yeah, they're yeah. up there. Yeah, dude, England's rugby team is badass, man. <laughs> no, like, did you watch rugby? Humongous, dude. Like, I have the most respect for rugby players because they just must get their asses kicked, dude. Every game. <laughs> you must, you must appreciate it from like a physiological standpoint as well. Like, people think like I, I know that the whole NFL concussion discussions there, but everyone wears pads. Yeah, like the forces rugby players running into each other. <laughs> Without any protection, <laughs> heads, knees, arms, studs, and like Dude. continue. <laughs> yeah. Crazy, and it's so funny because over here, uh, and it, like, this might uh, well, I don't care. This is what I think about it. Um, <laughs> they, the concussion protocol over here is like a huge deal. Like these guys are getting their bells rung, and then. Uh, having a tough time functioning after football. So, like, I'm pretty sure Will Smith made a movie about it. Yeah, uh, I haven't watched it. Yeah, something like that, yeah. right? It was a good movie, from my understanding. Um, but, you know, then the next day, when you turn on ESPN, you'll see highlights of some guy getting lit up, <laughs> and everybody's like, yeah! <laughs> like, yeah! Like, that was sick! And it's like, what do you expect? You know, like you have the biggest, strongest, fastest human beings running at each other, yeah. trying to hit each other as hard as you can. And it's like, yeah. what did you like? Like, did you think they're just gonna be all right? And you're you highlighting like, the biggest hits. <laughs> what yeah, exactly. like, that's what you're celebrating. Like, oh, like, oh. yeah, this is football. Most of <laughs> you, yeah, well, most okay. YouTube highlight reels in rugby. And probably in the, in the NFL hits. as well are big hits big and hits. impressive tries. I fucking love watching big hits. It's so, like so it's either amazing touchdowns, like, like Hail Marys and 70 yard hey. runs and shit, or, or huge hits of people getting KO'd. Like. Crunched. <laughs> Crazy, dude. Um, and rugby is, rugby is almost like gruesome to watch sometimes. Like if you watch like NFL top 10 big hits, you could kind of be like, oh, nice. Like that was sick. Like that guy got lit up. <laughs> But in rugby, it's like, oh my god, like that guy is probably gonna be in the hospital. It's folded. I think the difference is like, with American football, obviously, you do have protection. I'm not saying that they're not hitting them because that I, I do think I'd struggle in American football way more than I would in rugby because I have played I've played rugby. But the difference is, in American football, it's a hit and it's instantly stopped. Like there's nothing more. 
Whereas with rugby, Dude, it's a no. hit yeah. and it's still going. It's not. Yeah. It never stops it's until more, someone yeah. makes a foul or goes out of play. Like there's there's, there's yeah, no like stop. Yeah, if you get if you get rocked in rugby, it's just like, all right, dude, like, come on, get like, get over it. <laughs> you like you <laughs> like the story. It. So, with I don't know how much do you watch rugby quite a bit. So you understand like the rules and stuff or not? I do not understand the rules of rugby at all. That's fine. Okay, so we yeah. we uh our, the school we went to is heavily rugby based. Um, oh, it's fourth oldest rugby school in the world. Fourth oldest rugby, rugby team. Club, rugby Rug- club, yeah. Fourth oldest rugby team to have ever been created was our school. So it was embedded in tradition. Uh, they loved it. They forced us to play two hours a day, um, which was fine. It, it was it was amazing when you were a kid. When I got you know older, yeah. I was a bit like, hang on a minute, I'm getting crunched by guys like Mitchell on the daily basis. Like I need to stop But on the concussion thing, like you say, that when you get hit, you've got to just get back up and go with it. And rugby, there's a guy called George Bryant, um, who was the cap, who's the captain of the first team at the moment. And whenever the first team was playing, the whole school would come and watch. And uh, I don't remember what school they were playing, but after there's been a tackle or a breakdown, you would have to line up as a defensive line and face the opposition in a, in a really long line, and you would kind of like all go up at once, or else someone could be offside. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget this. George Bryan got up, and you would always shout, ready. Like, so as a team, you would know yeah, everyone's ready, ready, ready. Uh, he got up, he'd just been absolutely KO'd. Like, he was dizzy as fuck. Got up, and he was like, shit, I need to get in the defensive line. Ran over. <laughs> It was like Ben Stiles going, ready, ready, facing the complete wrong direction. <laughs> just, everyone's like, what the fuck's he doing? It was the funniest oh thing I've ever God. seen. The coach was straight away like, you you got to get off, mate. <laughs> you are clearly concussed right now. <laughs> so I assume he got like a concussion. Though, yeah, right? yeah, he like, came straight off the pitch. He was like, yeah. yeah. But even then, we didn't treat it very seriously. It was no, like, we just it was like, take two weeks off training and then you're back at it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, dude, that's nuts. But really, um, the coach would be like, back tomorrow. It would be the, the, the nurse that would be more keen to be like, you're off for two weeks. Yeah. The coach would be like, uh, no, you're fine, mate. Dude, get back in. It's, it's weird on Christian because they're saying a lot in, uh, in boxing, it's been related to boxing quite heavily. They say if it was bare knuckle boxing, the implications from a brain perspective would be a lot Better, less long term. Because it's radiated it, around it, your head. Because, because your brain's getting constantly knocked against your skull all the right. time. That does the, that does the damage. Yeah, yeah. dude crazy um it really is dude uh but like you say i don't play football bro. <laughs> but it's going to affect, we the, celebrate affect the economy far too much <laughs> how like the nfl is too big a business <laughs> to like stop people oh, playing booming like yeah and there's always going to be people who just be like you know what i don't care i'm hardcore for the for the game like yeah it is what it is like it's a risk i'm willing to take but kids aren't playing football anymore like the parents are like no you're not playing that sport go and play soccer you're not gonna get hurt oh really is that like a genuine issue that's a genuine thing yeah, dude, it's true. Um, if I was, you know, if I was a parent at this point in time, I would be like, uh, I don't know if I want my kid playing football, dude. Yeah, like, why even, why even expose him to those, you know, risks? Yeah. Like, okay. of course, if he really wants to play, it's like, all right, dude, like, <laughs> go try but it. You but, wouldn't encourage it. Uh, yeah, dude, encourage I'm so it, yeah. glad that I did you know, because I have no issues with my body at this point in time. Yeah. Like, I'm good. You know, I'm good to go. Yeah. Uh, whereas a lot of football players, a lot of uh, wrestlers, this and that, they got bad knees and shit. And it's like, damn, like, you got to deal with that every day, yeah. you know? So, 
and the, no, your life after your I'm, career as a sportsman, your career is very short when you think yes. about compared to the rest of your life that you're going to have to put up with it's issues you pick up in the early yeah. days. Yeah. yeah, dude. Um, Crazy. And, like, the wrestlers at, at Penn State, when I went to Penn State, they, they won the national championship, like, pretty regularly. Like, if they didn't win it, like, it was, like, what happened? Yeah. You know, seriously, like, they won. I, it's within the past 10 years, uh, like, I would say a majority of them, over 50% of them, nice. I would have to say. Um, and those guys, dude, they just train like animals, dude. And then I've only heard of a few of them go on to, like, the Olympics, though. So I have to think, like, you know, damn, you're – you're super passionate about it and I can appreciate that a hundred percent, but it's like, what toll are you putting on your body after you're done, you know, in a couple years, really? Uh, so I think that's important to think about too. Um, even with the golf swing, like longevity, Mm -hmm. you know, um, which is another reason why I like the CBD stuff. Okay. Uh, because if you're not inflamed and you don't feel that pain and you're not making compensatory moves just based off of your brain telling your body to be inflamed in these certain areas. Yeah. So, um, you know, pain uh, often leads to compensation and, and those compensations often lead to habits, really. So um, yeah. you, you might create more injuries just based off of the one that you have. Yeah, no, exactly. There's a, yeah. There's one of our rugby coaches used to say something called practice doesn't make perfect practice makes permanent so if you're constantly practicing rubbish and compensating you're going to permanently be doing that yeah dude yep it's so true um and that was another uh topic that touches on that book um breaking the habit of being yourself they talked about um, instead of the comfort zone, thinking of it as an emotional addiction, mm-hmm. because like the golf swing is something that is difficult to change because of your feeling towards a correct swing. So if I do this, this is going to accomplish this. Well, that's just purely emotional, you know, bias to what a correct swing actually is. So in order yeah. to get out of your comfort zone, you just have to have different emotions towards a different feeling, really. Yeah. So, um, I agree with that. You know, yeah. it's so relatable. Yeah. Cause I, I imagine uh, that's the, that's the first thing you do with clients, right? Is say you might suck for a bit. Yeah. Because you're going to change, we're changing your goal swing here. You haven't just come to see me because you're playing good golf. You're coming yeah. to see me because you're changing. So the first change you need to make is mental. Yeah. Surely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's frozen there, Michael. He'll catch you up in a sec, I think, unless he's took a call. There we go. Oh, good. There we go. You take a call. All right, cool. Uh, I think that's why Brooks um, is so good, dude, because he's right. Like, he said something earlier uh, in the week along the lines of, I think majors are easier to win. And he's right because – a lot of the field who isn't mentally tough enough to handle the pressure of the, it's almost like the fear of success. Yeah. You know, it's like, um, you know, Oh, it's a big tournament. It's this, it's that. Well, yeah, but like, you know, you could win, you know, you could win. Um, and he said, 
a lot, like 50% or some big number, I can't even put out a percentage, but he said a lot of guys are going to beat themselves yeah. because they just don't know how to act in that situation. So even on Sunday, when he went on that, you know, the bogey train there, um, Almost, yeah. I wouldn't call that a lapse in his talent. I would say it's a lapse in his focus, yeah, you know? I would, um, that makes sense. DJ almost won that tournament. He, sh- he, really, you know? he really should have. DJ faulted those on the 16th. He hit his iron a bit long. And then he hit bad. He had a bad swing on 17. And then, yeah, and that was him. But, like, the opportunity was there. And I think what you, oh, what you said before is such a valid point. Like, for, for most golfers, it, being accepted into a major is 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 the pinnacle that's like that's the top of what they ever hope to achieve they're there they're like all of a sudden it becomes a different game like oh i'm just happy to be here now i'm yeah. never gonna win one of these things uh, i just gonna that's... harold varner was in the final group he shot 10 over par yeah dude he folded like, like he folded badly you need to be like he, I'm he, in he a never chance. believed he was gonna win yeah that's a bad way of doing it dude and i think like it's interesting too with brooks because he a hundred percent isn't as iconic as Tiger Woods. No. So the the crowd is against him. You know, it's not like, oh, I really want Brooks Kepka <laughs> to win this golf tournament. You know, and everybody's there saying, yeah, Tiger, yeah, Phil, like, Phil, give me a thumbs yeah. up. And they lose their minds because Phil gave him a thumbs up. So it's like, if you can get over that hump too of like, listen, other people might not. Uh, know me or even be rooting for me, you yeah. know. Patrick Reed won the Masters, and a lot of people don't like him, yeah, love, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I love Patrick Reed's golf swing, and you know, uh, his personality is like something that I can't really judge because I've never met the guy. Now I've heard all these different yeah. stories, and of course the biases kind of slip in, but never met the guy. Yeah. So. Um, I think his golf swing is sick. I think his mental fortitude was uh, impressive during Augusta there because nobody wanted him to win. And and the chase and puck as well, Michael. The chase and puck was Rory, Ricky, and Jordan Spieth. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. He won it it well. And his his Ryder Cup record prior to Paris was clutch. Like, he beat Rory McIlroy playing the best golf he'd ever played, arguably. In 2017, when he when he had that amazing um, match against him, Patrick Reed w- won one up. That's crazy, dude. He was, crazy. He was going. Yeah. He was, he, Roy McIlroy was draining bombs like 20, 30, 40 footers, and everything he had to give, Patrick Reed was straight back. Like he showed, he was really impressive. But dude, but he, but it, but it, like you say, nobody likes the guy. It's a shame, yeah. you know. Um, I, again, I've heard stories about him, and I've heard that he did this in college, or yeah, he did that. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, I don't know, you know. I I can't judge because, like, I don't know uh, what situations he's been in. Yeah. Like, I don't know how he was brought up, or you know, I never met the guy. So um, I like watching him hit the golf ball, though, dude. I think his golf swing is sick. Yeah. Um, and I think his mental fortitude is impressive as well. Um, you know, I think in terms of the big picture, like Jordan Spieth could learn something from Patrick Reed in that in that uh, realm because uh, Jordan Spieth does let 
uh, negative outcomes affect him negatively. Yeah. Like we see it. So I think um, the the fear of you know failure and the fear of success uh, are two things that like Brooks was saying totally just you know, take out half of the field in those majors, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, at that elite level as well, Michael, I think the fear of success becomes greater than the fear of failure because you're that elite level, you don't have to worry about money. The money's coming in fine. You finish top 50 most weeks, you're going to be earning good money. Um, and they almost, it, it's about that that self-belief and if you feel deserving of a win. Yeah. And I saw that, that's something not a lot of people are born with or, or, or even try and learn. Cause it's okay not to win. The yeah, Masters. sorry, you're. Yeah, dude. Um. Yeah, sorry, you're cutting out of here. No, no it's all good. It's all good. Move by the window. See if I get better. <laughs> it's good for um, YouTubers. You better get a little fresh angle. Oh, we're we're, 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 uh, we're at Michael's sacred area. I see. <laughs> it's the bed behind him. Um. <laughs> yeah, dude. Chilling. Nice. Uh, but um. Yeah, dude, you're de- you cut out a little bit. Oh, there. sorry, man. Sorry. No, but I think, yeah, I think sorry. we're just talking about the yeah, about the fear of success outweighing the fear of failure at the elite level. Yeah. Yeah, well, dude. I think that's um, at every level, isn't it? I think I think that's a mental issue that a lot of people would would Yeah, because have, a lot like, of people probably succeeded by being in the masters. Yeah. No one's expecting to win, so like it's okay not to win. But that's yeah, yeah which really is that's the, the, that's the fall. That's yeah, the fall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I think like. Um, yeah, I would, I would have to agree with you. And it seems as though they're more concerned with like, um, what people are rooting for them and what people are not rooting for them. You know, um, I think that uh, that's more prevalent at the, at the elite level. Um, because it's like, uh, oh, everybody wants Jordan Spieth to win, but you know, uh, I'm Patrick Reed and this and that, and nobody really likes me. And for him to surpass that yeah. is, it's impressive to me for sure. Yeah. Um, I totally agree with that. Like you say, like to, to put your, yourself in his, his shoes and that's a, that's a big mental challenge to I'll get just, over. I was just about to say, yeah. that's like, you can tell you're a good coach, Michael, because I mean, you're obviously very empathetic. Yeah. Yeah, I try to be. And society, society is um, empathetic, generally speaking, right? Yeah, they're biased. To, they, yeah. they, they try and fit the situations around them to fit their narrative and to give they sort of borrow self-esteem from the narrative that they've created. Yeah, um, I appreciate that because that is, uh, that's pretty much my number one thing that I try to focus on is like how is the student feeling right now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, because if you're nervous during a lesson or if you are, um, you know, uh, thinking one thing, but a different thing is happening. Like I have to put myself in their shoes and figure out, okay, one, not like, like they're, they're going to be uncomfortable to begin with because they're not coming to me because their swing is good, you know? So it's like, um, Hey, uh, can you help me? And it's like, yeah, like I would love to, I would, I would really enjoy that. Um, but you have to kind of take into account, like they're probably nervous, like they're not hitting the ball well, you know? So that was a big thing I took from, uh, I, I shadowed, uh, Daniel Berger's, uh, swing coach. Well, I didn't shadow him. I 
basically just said, hey, can I sit down with you and talk to you about golf instruction for a, you know, a little while? And uh, he had turned down a kid uh, who wanted to shadow one of his lessons. And I was like, okay, he seems like a, he's a great guy. So why would he do that? So I said, you know, hey, do you mind if I just sit down and talk to you about how you go about things yeah. and how you give golf lessons? And he said, sure, you know, that's fine. And um, I asked him during uh, lunch, we were having lunch, and I was like, uh, you know, how come you don't let people shadow your lessons? Just out of curiosity, I'm not salty about it or anything. And he said, well, you have to understand that, like, the student is nervous when okay. they're with you. Like, yeah. they, they're hitting shitty golf shots and you're watching them, yeah. you know, you're watching them hit shitty golf shots and that doesn't feel good. Like that doesn't feel good for anyone. So to say, Hey, I'm going to have another set of eyes on you purely judging what you're doing, like giving yeah. you no feedback to sit there and say, um, I'm just going to watch you, yeah. you know, it's like, Oh fuck. Like, uh, I, you know, I, I don't want this guy seeing me hit shitty golf shots, yeah. let alone have another set of eyes there to, you know, purely just watch me hit yeah. shitty golf because shots. Because then you feel, like, else. You, you feel like you so, have to justify um, a bad shot to that person who's not speaking because the coach will always be like, right, yeah, okay, do this, do that. Whereas you're the person sitting silent, you'd be like, oh, I, I, I did that because of this or whatever. Like, you, I feel that's how yeah, I would. It's adding complexity to the learning. To the learning um, yeah. it's sort of process it's interference yeah it's interfering with it yeah i get yeah. it yeah, yeah. um so i totally i totally understood that um and i'm not sure if i would let anybody shadow my lessons now that i think that you know i might show them uh, a recording of the video and say like yeah. here's what we worked on here's why we did it but like i um you know, I like one-on-one -on -one lessons. Uh, I'll do group lessons, but I think it's better to do group teaching how to play golf because everybody's in the same boat. Yeah. It's not like, uh, oh, my buddy's over here ripping it and I'm hitting, you know, fucking shank tops over here. Um, it's two different you know, lessons. Having that yeah. same feeling of, like, uh, judgment, yeah. really. So, um, yeah, I try to, I try to put myself in the shoes of, like, even tour players when i see them or when i'm watching yeah. them play like wow they must feel like the shot is crazy right now and then how do they do it you know how do they go through the process and it's the same way every time yeah so um that's why i think that whole breathing thing and the pre-shot routine is important because it puts you in the right internal environment yeah. to do the same thing every time, regardless of the implications. Yeah, and that's um, that, I think that's the probably one of the hardest things with golf is to make sure because if you do the same, if you've got your technique down to a T and you've got your swing down and you do the same every time, then you should naturally be a good golfer from that. Yeah, and it, it almost brings you. I don't know if you ever used to watch Malcolm in the Middle. Um, uh, yeah, uh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian Cranston was the dad, and uh, he they went to a bowling alley one time in the one episode. And Brian Cranston had this little routine he would do before bowling every single time, and he guaranteed a strike, and it links to that, and you can see it. And the one time he changes it up, Reese fucks it up for him, um, but he doesn't he doesn't get a strike. And it, it comes it relates to the golf where if you can just get your routine down and get rid of all the mental blocks, then it, you should hit a sweet shot. If you, yeah. If you take um, a strike. Yeah. 
that's what was interesting too about the 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 study that that we did um, was like as the week went on because the first two days for me um, were kind of like in the twilight zone because I you know I flew across the country basically and then the next day I hopped off the plane and I'm hitting balls so like the baseline number in hindsight should have been over like you know uh, ideally like two days or three okay. days um, but just look at one club like throughout the whole study you know like uh, we we looked at all the information we got and uh, Mike was like dude like we bit off way more than we can chew here like <laughs> we, we have so much information to look at across so many different parameters that it's like uh, you know we have to really pick and choose what information yeah. is like worth our while and then be super honest about the stuff that just doesn't make sense, you know, because we don't have the volume. Yeah. So um, I think that's what we would do next time is figure out, okay, you know, uh, probably, probably with the driver, you know, yeah. honestly to, to get into that routine of uh, you know, see fairway, hit fairway, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, in a in a nonchalant kind of fashion so um you know building that pre-shot into the subconscious instead of thinking of having those checkpoints it's more of just like you know you're you're sinking deeper and deeper into focus mm -hmm. um because you know i think there needs to be a certain amount of you know attention to shots that require a lot of accuracy um so if you have like a bunker shot or something that you have to, you know, land high and soft or something like that, like I, 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 I'd be willing to bet that there's a little bit more, um, you know, flexibility there with the, the actual artistry of yeah. what you're doing. Whereas the driver swing, it's just like, you're trying to, you're trying to put it on uh, a track every time, yeah. just, you know, knowing what the ball is going to do every time. So you know where to aim and you know where the miss is going to be. Yeah, and it's less just variables, like, isn't there? Yeah. Like, just pretty straightforward yeah. off the tee. Well, yeah. you, you say yeah. that, but I think the point Mike, Mike was making as well is like, theoretically, it should be the same shot every time. But I know for a fact if I'm standing on the tee and I know that I know, I know my miss is right. So if I see some trouble right, it's in my, I'm like, I'm yeah, in my head, I'm like, this is right. Like, yeah. It, 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 that's called, I know it's completely the wrong mindset to have. Like, it's the same every time. It should be fairway, hit fairway, but it's not. <laughs> it's a simple, yeah. it's a, it's a simple yeah. sort of reality of it. it. It's not that straightforward, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, very, it's very straightforward, too. And, like, DJ, from my understanding, um, oh, yeah, you guys are good. DJ, from my understanding, hits the same ball flight, basically, Frozen. Damn. Damn it. I got a call. Uh, two seconds, guys. There we go. We're back. We're back. So you, you got you it. Say, yeah, you were saying DJ uh -huh. hits the same ball flat every time. Yeah, like he hit. He'll hit a little baby cut pretty much for every shot, um, unless he has to hit a draw. You know, I don't see DJ hitting draws very often, no. and I saw the same thing of Brooks. You know, Brooks was hitting a cut every every drive um that i saw uh which 
I don't, I don't have a problem with it. You know, he knows what the ball is going to do and he's strong enough to make a cut like that go far. Yeah. Um, if he wanted to, and he wanted to hit the ball farther, he could get another, like, I, I, you know, I'd be willing to bet if he hung back on the ball and hit up on it and really utilized the weight of the club Mm -hmm. a little bit better than he's hitting down on his driver right now. I'd be willing to bet he could get another like 40 yards if he wanted it to, but he knows that swing every time and he knows what the ball is going to do every time. So it's like, there is no trouble, right? That's just my target. And here's where I need to aim because of my ball flight. So it's not, um, what's this ball going to do? It's like, this ball is going to do this because it does it every time, you know? Um, so like, I think he is such a tactician yeah. that people don't really understand just how good he is, dude. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, because... I agree. Like, like Tiger says, it's all about managing your misses at that level. Yeah. He's, he's, he's up, fuck this. He's never going to miss left. Unless the wind's right. up. Unless the wind's up. is He knows he can take the left-hand side of the golf course out of play. It is irrelevant to him. Now, whatever's left is irrelevant. It's, it's what's so, in front of so him true. and what's to the right of him. Yep. It's so true, and that's such a good way to look at it too, um, because that it that takes like half the stress of your shot off of you. You know, it's like uh, a two-way miss is just. And there is if your swing is more dialed into using the hands. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, I'm trying to use my hands in these different situations, and if I'm super fired up and I have a lot of adrenaline going through my body, like you do in pressure situations like your hands just aren't strong enough to handle what the golf swing is supposed to do so you might as well ingrain the accuracy of your rotation into the legs and the core and figure out just where i need to leave the golf club so it gets in the way yeah. um so that's why i think brooks is going to play good golf for like a long time i think that's why dj plays good golf because he just like is incredible with that yeah. like his torque that he creates in his body is um super impressive and his his bowed wrist like that uh, having having that amount of you know flexion in the wrist and just being able to keep it there and just rotate through the ball must make ball striking so much easier for him yeah, you know? I, yeah. I, I, I listened to Claude Harmon speak about Brooks, and he said the way he manipulates his ball flights is just simply with ball position. So it, his, yeah, his, his, his margin for error is so much lower because he's using his big muscles that can perform more consistent movements over time. He doesn't need to think about his hands or his wrists that require like impeccable timing in high-pressure situations. It's all big muscles. He knows his miss, yeah. and he, all he has to do if he wants to hit the ball lower or higher is put his ball either further forward or further back in his stance. Like it's, he keeps yeah. it very simple, and that's that's genius to keep the game that simple. That's so true. Um, I think like overcomplicating things is not good and paralyzing. <laughs> it's never good and cold. No, yeah, definitely, definitely and, and, not. and the amateur wow. game struggles so much because we want to overcomplicate it. We want to feel like a professional. So we're like. Oh, the wind's coming off the left. It's hurting a little. I'm gonna yeah. hit a gentle, like baby draw. And it's like, no. not like unless you're a scratch golfer. I'm sorry, most amateur golfers haven't got a baby, an intentional baby draw in the locker. No, 
Definitely not. No, dude. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> Definitely not. I mean, yeah. like, the amount yeah. of people I play with, including myself sometimes, get caught up in, like, trying to be like the pro and talk absolute shit like <laughs> it's true though isn't it yeah yeah dude it's Fair. definitely true um i think if you can't visualize it then you can't hit it like if you can't say i can see myself hitting this shot then you can't you yeah. know like you can't yeah. even you have uh, to have practiced it you have to have uh, yeah, got I, it down to a t on the range or in the practice facility if you can't just make it up on the course you, it takes so much time so and effort right. to do it, it. You, you asked me to hit a draw on the range i can't you asked me to hit a draw with tons of trees on my left i, I can Definitely. hit a little i can hit a little draw all right okay i can visualize yeah. it with what oh, michael right. said sorry if, yeah if, with I, you. if i'm yeah, blocked yeah, out yeah, if i'm yeah, blocked yeah. out my only route to the green yeah. or near the green is with a little draw i can a lot of the time play it if you ask me to hit a draw on the range i'm pushing the ball every time like <laughs> yeah um, it's all. Yeah, my, it's crazy what the mind can do. Yeah, no, it's, it really is. I, I think with uh, golf, golf's one of the the best sports to highlight that. I think. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because uh, there's uh, mine's. I don't, know, I don't know what percentage obviously it would be, but it's a lot of it. Obviously, your swing's a huge amount, but the the mindset. If I'm in a good mindset, I can play. It's a totally different game that I play compared to when I'm down. Like. Um, yeah, I often get tired um, after nine, ten, about twelve holes in, and my game just goes through the floor, and that's totally mental. That's like I'm not physically tired or anything like that. I'm just mentally like drained. Oh, this has been yeah. tough because I'm not the best golfer. So after you know hitting so many bad shots, your, your mental capacity toll. gets gets takes its toll, and then by the yeah. end of the round, I'm like, I'm definitely gonna hit a bad shot now. Like, and then that's already in your head, and you're gonna do that. Um, yeah. It's it's amazing like how much of a toll those thoughts put on your body too because you're you're essentially in a state of fight or flight then like yeah. you're you're nervous over every golf shot and it's just like damn this is like tiring you know at the end of yeah. 18 holes of golf you're just like oof like mentally <laughs> drained you know um so that uh that connection between the the chemicals that are produced inside of you because of those thoughts to what your mind is perceiving those situations yeah. at will tire you out like Definitely. your mental fortitude will not be as good on the back nine as it was the front nine no. that's why a lot of people when they uh start out shitty and they uh are super nervous over the golf ball by by like the 12th hole they're they're tired and they don't give a shit anymore because it's like well uh i really cannot focus on this round yeah. of golf anymore yeah um, if you look at the archfield's vlog as well i think that's which i know we're kind of jumping jumping topic here but uh i feel like that's why it's important to have a really nice clubhouse facility and good showers as well because if you have had a tough round it just changes your oh, mindset dude. if you get in you're like oh get in a robe and i'll have a shower like if you see in the Archfield video, that mindset for me was was almost the, the last six holes. I was struggling, so the ability to go back into a nice, comfy clubhouse uh, was was amazing. Yeah, like um, I'm all for dog, I'm all for dog tracks in like in terms of accessibility but, to people starting the game. Yeah, of course. But like if if you're an avid golfer, like and the facilities are good, you that, just play a better round of golf. Don't Definitely. We lost you? Yeah, sorry, you guys were a little scratched. Oh, sorry, Michael. Um, it has frozen there. Um, I'm sure, there we go. Okay, there we go. Okay. We're back. Yeah. Um, Mitchell was just saying how, how much, obviously, you know, facilities aren't everything. Um, but the, the fact that if you 
have got a nice facility to set you away and come back to your mental capacity is going to be in a more fresh environment yeah. and things like that and yeah you'll enjoy it more yeah. let alone play better i think i think the vibe of the clubhouse is super important um that that should have that welcoming yeah. you know vibe to it you know uh a lot of um you know super exclusive golf clubs are not inviting you know they're not inviting to uh someone who wants to get into the game yeah no yeah not inviting to fresh like to young people they're not inviting to outsiders so happy you said that yeah because again that's another goal of of, of just jack's golf tracks is we are rating golf courses on on how welcoming they are because that's a huge factor that's we think that's a huge factor i almost feel like the word the words you put it into might as well the vibe yeah it is it is like it's that's we need to use that we need to use that copyrighted by michael (laughs) yourself hopefully not um how good is the vibe yeah we we need yeah the the vibe the vibe of the whole place yeah just change attitude to vibe and the vibe of close like back to my home facility close house when you drive in there the vibe is instantly like oh it's like therapeutic almost man it's like (laughs) best yeah Look forward to filming uh, that actually as well, Michael. So now that we've discussed it beforehand, you can see it retrospectively the the, the full the full facility because it is the drive down. It's fabulous. Uh, you've got a nice stately home as well um, on the left, and then you've got the clubhouse on the right. It's a fantastic we, uh, facility. We we you need to come to the UK, Michael. We need we need to do something. Yeah. Like you need to do a golf tracks week with us I'm or something. Yeah. We we need to organise the clubs. Like obviously it's going to require a bit more organisation than what me and Mickey usually like pissing the wind <laughs> and see what see what sticks sort of thing. Um, but yeah, no, we need just because I, I feel like we're, we're on the same level. We definitely appreciate the same stuff. Yeah, it's if you yeah if you're ever in position to be able to come over, let us know and we'll organize we the whole the thing. Golf, yeah. However long or short, whatever, we'll we'll sort we'll sort accommodation and golf, and we'll make sure we I'm yeah down, dude. yeah accommodation uh, will be sorted definitely, uh, and we'll sort the golf out as well. Uh, that I love to travel. Um, it would be cool to you know play a couple of different tracks too. Um, I, dude, I, it, I think that St. Andrews area would be sick. We'll do it. Like, yeah. um, there's a hotel called the Argallon Hotel that's like right up the street from St. Andrews, and that's where we stayed when we went there. Nice. Um, so we would take a bus to like, we took a bus to uh, like Crail was a little bit of a drive, yeah. but like we walked to the first tee at St. Andrews. I was yeah. like, what? Yeah. This is wild. Through right the now. town for, for you as well. Obviously, being Amer- like the how old that town is as well. Walking through the town on the first tee, you must have been like, what the fuck? <laughs> Dude, it was wild. You're in a time capsule um, for sure. Uh, but like, even the vibe of St. Andrews was not was not menacing to pedestrians yeah. it was like oh look at that nice that nice golf course over there it wasn't like a stately uh huge like you know clubhouse with like uh everybody in uniforms you know okay. uh, all like go sign in and you know bag drop is here and this and that like yeah people walking their dogs on the casual. court it's integrated <laughs> it was integrated I think that's a word, like perfect word to describe. Yeah, it's integrated into the society, into the culture, into the town, yeah. into society. Like you just rock up there and play. The whole area yeah. is the course, not just the course. Yeah. It's the whole. Yeah, the, it's part. Like the you whole say, a lot of a lot of American like country clubs. I can imagine huge, massive drives, big white gates, loads of suits, like loads of different areas. Formal, 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 formal. Yeah. 
St Andrews is for yeah. like you could go take your dog the first tea and then have a few pints in the pub afterwards nice. sort of thing. Yeah. That's so true, dude. Um Yeah, it, it's funny because over here you would think the 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 you know, the UK would be more like traditional about their processes of yeah. going out onto the golf course. Not not necessarily prim and proper because uh I, I wouldn't put it that way because like their procedures on those golf courses are seamless. Like yeah. nothing goes wrong, you know, like they know what they're doing. They've been doing it for, uh, I don't know, like 300 years. <laughs> you know, they, they have the experience. Um, they, they don't really uh, mess around, but yeah. you know, you're, you're there to enjoy yourself. Uh, the, the big putting green on St. Andrews too. I guess they have uh, like a women's putting league there or something like that every uh, every week or something. I remember reading it uh, in like this this book that a caddy wrote uh, from St. Andrews. Uh, I forget the name of the book. Oliver Horowitz is his name. Okay. He's a caddy. It was basically like a biography of his book. Um, but yeah, there was there's like just such an integrated. Yeah. Uh, part of the community, which is dope. Well, I've never, um, I've never actually been to St Andrews. Um, you know, you know, what the mad thing is about St Andrews is I, I've never been either. But a lot of what I hear is like, the, apparently, like the golf course probably isn't the best golf course you'll ever play in the world. But yeah, it, I've it, heard that. That's the last thing you think it's, about when you're there. Yeah, and for me, matter. that's what makes probably makes it the best yeah, place because that's yeah, what you focus dude. on. Yeah. You know, it's like a secret sauce. Oh <laughs> you know, it's like it's like a secret sauce like grandma's recipe it's like <laughs> that you can't really put your finger on it you don't really know what it is but it's the best but you but there's something about it that's the best it's yeah the home of golf yeah it's, it's, it um, is because it's the home of golf yeah yeah, yeah. i need to plug you guys in here yeah, but no worries, I, no worries. dude um it's funny because you're so excited to play the golf course because you've seen it on tv you've uh seen you know the greats um, really just, you know, being totally immersed in that moment of yeah. winning the Open. Exactly. You know, walking up, walking up the green over, uh, over the, the Smoking Bridge, and then you're walking on it too. It's like, whoa. Uh, definitely a goosebumps kind of kind of feel, you know? Yeah, I can um, imagine. Because everyone's seen it. Everyone's everyone's seen pictures. And anyone who's got anything to do with golf picture on the bridge. is either teed off it on one of the holes on a simulator or seen on TV or has Googled it just to be like, ooh, St. Andrews. It's iconic, golf. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Everyone, yeah, it's, yeah. 100%. Nah, we, we need to get yeah, some for sure. That'll be a... Uh, 100%. Michael, how much, uh, obviously, obviously I see a lot of, lot, lot of your content, obviously a lot of it's instructional. Um, like how much, how much golf do you actually play? How many, how many times a week do you actually go out and just play 18? Dude, not very often, bro. Unfortunately, um, now that I'm like independent and teaching independently, like that's something that has declined slightly. Okay. Uh, but I think that's one of the growing pains of just getting into, yeah that side of like what i was doing um because eventually i would like to be a member somewhere and just have the liberty to go there and hit balls and work on the game and you know get better uh 
because I think there is a huge difference between just going to the range and working on your swing and actually going out and playing mm -hmm. and learning how to play golf, you know, yeah. um, what your tendencies are and what, what you do uh, when you're in certain situations and, you know, building up the confidence during those situations. So when you get out into a tournament, then, you know, okay, you know, here's my best shot, yeah. you know, uh, it's happened before I've done this before. So, you know, going to a range and hitting off of a mat is fun. I enjoy it. It's almost like therapeutic, but yeah. going out onto a golf course is like a different, you know, it's a different mindset, yeah. You're different, different stimulation. Right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, generally speaking, at the end of every range session, you feel like you could walk out and tour tomorrow, like, and then you go out on the golf course, you realize you don't really hit that many greens. Yeah, it's dude, different. it's crazy. Well, I don't, anyway, I don't, I don't hit many fairways. That's Especially if you issue. only get one shot at it, whereas in the range, you're like, oh yeah, I'm hitting, I'm hitting yeah. the green, but yeah, you took about 50 and, shots to get there. I, I, I don't know what you're, <laughs> Gal, I want to, this is what I want to pick your mind on as well, Michael, like, my 56 degrees saves, like, saves my game. Like, I, I don't hit many greens, I don't think a lot of amateur golfers do hit many greens. But my chipping's pretty good because I go and practice my chipping. Norman, why don't people go and practice their short game? What is it about people saying they've got to go to the range and hit balls for two hours? Yeah. And, and they wonder why the scores don't improve. Um, What's that about? <laughs> I, yeah. No, it's, it's true. Um, it is, like, something that I have mixed emotions about, definitely, because... Okay. You are technically working on your game if you go to the range and you yeah, say, absolutely. I didn't play very well, so I'm going to go hit a few balls. Uh, I think being honest with the statistics of your round is important because, yeah. say, you know, you had 50 putts and you shot, uh, you know, 90 and you go and hit balls on the range, then I would say you're not, um, you're not doing yourself a disservice you're not not practicing because you are and you might shoot you know 88 the next round because your ball striking was better right you're hitting the ball closer to the hole but say you work on your putting for 20 minutes and you find out that like oh i'm like cutting across my putts big time and i missed all my putts you know short and left or whatever it may be then you tweak that and you work on that and you might shoot you know 78 80 the next round because yeah. you took off the biggest problem you yeah. know um so again the emotional addiction versus comfort zone thing is very prevalent in practice because we like to practice what's fun and what we're good at yeah. really that, 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 that's probably a good point is the range is from from a fun perspective it's easier. It's more like you're just smashing balls, going for it. You don't have to go and retrieve them either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a, like, like, yeah. Whereas if you're chipping, yeah, you've got 50 see. balls in the green to go and get back. It's like, oh, dang. Go go them and, and the, yeah. It's mad for a pudding. Yeah. Pudding is a bit more demoralizing when you're practicing because, like, guarantee, like, I can line probably 15 puts up from seven or eight feet. I'm probably going to make half at most. And that's quite like a, that's quite like a, a big mental thing to get over. You see the mistakes. Because you, you know these are the length puts that you're going to have on the course. Yeah. It, it, it's such a weird... It's what I need to take into account if I want to progress even more and start counting how many puts, record how many puts I'm making and actually going on the putting green and working on my putting. Yeah. I, I enjoy working on my chipping because I'm good at chipping. Like, <laughs> I, I'm going to see yeah. a good outcome every time. It's, it's, it's egotistical of me to keep practicing chipping. You need to what go I really need to do is be objective that. and go on, go on the putting green. Yeah. yeah. Um... I think the fact that you recognize it is 
uh, you know, it's impressive and what the fuck, dude? <laughs> All right, somebody was trying to call me. It's all uh, good, man. It's all good. So it's not like egotistical of you to go and practice your chipping because you're still getting better at it, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, but I think maybe if you figure out ways to enjoy, you know, practicing your putting, then you'll feel the same way about your putting. It'll be almost like, ah, uh, you know, I shouldn't be working on my putting, but it's, this is, this drill is super fun and like, it makes it, you know, it makes yeah. it enjoyable. Um, it's funny though because putting is less correlated to success on the PGA Tour than driving distance is. So like, yeah. driving distance is more of an indicator of success on the PGA Tour, or a stronger indicator of success than putting putting right. averages. Oh. It's, it's probably because if you drive yeah. the ball that far, you, you, your chance of your proximity to the hole is going to be higher, so you don't yeah, have to put. So you don't good. have to put. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Um, Perhaps. And it's I not wasting that one day. Yeah, I think the thing that people stigmatize about that too is like, oh, you know, you just want to hit your drives farther because it makes you look good or whatever. You know, you got to get the ball in the hole. You know, <laughs> putt for dough, drive for show. All this, all these, you know, sayings and shit that really isn't backed up by like numbers. And then you can just put that in front of somebody and be like, yeah, I think we should work on speed. You know, uh, it's more, it's more correlated to success. And not only are you going to hit your driver farther, but when you get a seven iron in your hands, you're going to hit that farther too, because you can swing faster and you're going to hit your wedge farther. So instead of having an eight iron into a green, you might have a pitching wedge into the green, which is a shorter club. You can control it better. You're more, apt to be closer to the hole too because you drove it further so not only are you further down the fairway but you have a lesser club in your hand than person b who doesn't hit it as far in that same situation so you're technically more accurate too then yeah. because i have a 150 yard shot and i hit this club and you hit this longer club because you don't work on that yeah. You know, yeah, that's, that's really that interesting that you that you. I've never heard anyone put it that way, and it's it, it's like I think people need to hear it because what we also forget is we play on amateurs play on a lot wider fairways, a lot shorter golf courses. If you can increase your distance, you can really start to improve your scores. We're, we're playing six and a half thousand, seven thousand yard golf courses with wide fairways with rough that's not that penal. You can go for it. <laughs> like if, if you, if you can really increase down. yardage on those courses, like you're gonna have wedge in your hand in those holes. Yeah. Going in your second shot, like yeah. which would be yeah. Tell me that that's not advantageous, like yeah. yeah. Um, that's why like the first and the 18th at St Andrews is so cool because the fairway is like a cow pasture. You could hit it anywhere <laughs> on the first hole. You could aim 90 yards left, and you'd have a pretty easy shot into the green. Yeah. You know. Uh, 18, same thing. The only nerve-wracking thing about 18 the is mountain. the green in the corner. So you have the street uh, going up behind the green, and then you have uh, the road, uh, you know, next to – I don't know if the, um, the hotel is on that particular road or not. Mm -hmm. um, you have, you know, all these buildings lining the right side of the fairway, and you have this green, which is about – I think it's like 3:30 or something that okay. hole. Drivable in a hot summer's day, yeah. yeah. 
especially yeah. on Sunday's day, yeah. Which is another reason why Lynx golf is cool because, you know, if you have the wind behind you or whatever, you could run something up there. You know, if uh, the wind's in your face, you could just try and, you know, uh, pump something out there, like uh, figuring out the bounces and all these different things that, like, gives you so much freedom. Yeah. Um, so it's a good thing that you work on your wedges because you probably hit off a good bit of firm ground over there. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, obviously, you, you, I, I completely forget as well that the the fairways react, obviously react to your, your yeah, club typically yeah. in America. Like, yeah, I'm so I, I'd probably chip terribly if I went and played on some Bermuda. <laughs> dude, Bermuda. Oh no, dude, it's no. <laughs> it's a totally different shot, dude. Green, because... especially when the greens hit when it's when it's going into you, when it's cut into you, like, duck, dude, central. Those <laughs> are the toughest chip shots to hit, honestly. Um. That's what I worked on a lot when I was down in Florida was like learning how to use the bounce of the wedge and just like hitting those different shots into different grains because it takes spin off the ball. It makes it go higher. Like you better not hit behind it. Otherwise, like the ball's not going anywhere. So unless you just like pop down on the back of the ball and, you know, use the bounce a little bit, like you're not going to hit a good chip shot, you know? Um so, you know, that doesn't allow for as much creativity because it's like, you know, you have to hit it this way. Yeah, the, um, the, lie, the lie dictates your shot, right? 100%. Um, and, like, that, that Florida swing that they do every year over here with the, with the Honda Classic, uh, and then they, uh, they had the Valspar at, uh, I think it's like Copperhead or Innisbrook or something like that. Those courses are so tough, dude. The Bears because, Club. Is it Bears Club? Uh, Bears Club is down there, too. Yeah. I don't know if they do any... Um, I'm thinking about the Bear Trap at Honda. I'm thinking about the Bear Trap on the Honda Classic. Oh, the Bear, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, the Bear Trap that is water. <laughs> at PGA, PGA National. Yeah. Um, okay. At the Honda Classic. And that, that tournament is dope, too. Um, over by the 17th green, they have, like, a Tito's tent. Um, so you're watching guys hit balls into the green and you're just posted up in the Tito's tent for the day. Um, enjoying the show basically. Uh, so that's a, that's a good tournament to get to, too. Bay Hill, Bay Hill and Sawgrass as well. What's that? Bay Hill and Sawgrass, the two other. Oh, dude, super golf courses. Um, it's, it's too bad because, uh, Pete Dye's wife passed away earlier on this year. And, like, she basically came up with the idea for the Island Green there at Sawgrass because Pete Dye, apparently, uh, from, from my understanding, he didn't have enough dirt to fill in that hole. Jeez. So he's trying <laughs> to figure out, like, where am I going to get this dirt and stuff? Uh, wh you know, what what uh, what am I going to do to make this hole happen? And she said, well, why not make it a pond? Like, why not make it an Island Green? And then that's how it, that's how it worked out. Um so apparently she was a, a super smart golf mind. Um, but yeah, I would like to get there too. Um, and, you know, just experience that island green, dude, because that must be crazy. Yeah, what was it saying? Was it, was it, was it the difference between them playing in March and May? Like they were seeing four, they were seeing like pitch and wedge in May and four iron in March. Jesus Was it Christ. something like dude. that, Michael? Like the difference in club between two months and the temperature was just really? like... Yeah, yeah, the course got moved forward this year, didn't it, players? Yeah, I'm I'm sure uh 
it was significant. Um, from my understanding, altitude has more to do with ball flight than humidity does, which I would think uh, is what you're talking about from like March to, to let's say like one of the cooler, more, uh, you know, uh, just like dry uh, months down there, I'm sure it makes a, a big difference, you know, uh, because it rains basically every day down there during the summer. So it's always humid. They're always having um, thunderstorms. But uh, yeah, I'd imagine it would be a pretty big, pretty big difference as well. But then you go to the World Golf Championship in Mexico and the bulls just fucking flying like 400. <laughs> Crazy, dude. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, I forget. Yeah, it was Mexico, wasn't it? Was, it? Yeah. Was, yeah, it was, it was Mexico this year. Type event. It was, a, it was a little golf championship. Yeah, it was in Bridgestone. I've been to Bridgestone. Yeah. yeah, that was sick, man. Guys were going super deep. They were throwing these crazy numbers up. It's like, wow, like this is a different level of thought here. Um, that's why. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on Bryson? Well, oh yeah. Mitchell's a little bit, yeah. But uh, this is where okay. I'm lost. This is where, to my me, thoughts I'm not, on, My thoughts, golfer, thoughts on Bryson. Uh, look, I, I, I have no problem with his individual uh, take on the game, and it's obviously shown success for him, and I get that. What I, what I don't like, I think he's played it in the marketing, marketing genius's hands behind the scenes. He's playing into it a bit too much. Like, I hate it how every time he's on, a pundit has to call him a sightness. Like, we get it. You're into your figures. You're into your numbers. You're into your length. Of, I get it. I like the approach. Don't like the way it's portrayed. I like Bryson as a person. I think he comes across quite nice. Like Tiger's taken like a, a nice sort of brotherhood to him. Um, so I, I do like the guy, but I think the the, the media the media is a bit overkill on the whole sightness thing. I think that's ki that's killing his brand a bit. But by being too focused too on much. it, too much. Yeah, it's a bit too much. Yeah, okay. It's like chill out. Like, right. but I do like him. Yeah. I like his take. And I and I get I get his his whole thing with the, obviously having the same length irons. Goes back to your point. If he's just making big body movements, which by his yeah, by his swing he does, then he's gonna have more consistent shots. Yeah, I would. Yeah, a hundred percent. I agree with it and everything that you said. I don't think there's anything wrong with his processes, and I think it's important to have all those things in mind. Uh, two things that I think about it too, though. One would be. I agree with you in saying that he's made it kind of a selling point, which is like uh, it, it almost diminishes the importance of the entire process. It's like, okay, you know, you're, you're portraying it as this now uh, when you get offered a little bit of money for a commercial. Yeah. Um, which the authenticity goes diminishes. With it. You know, it diminishes the internal importance of the process. And secondly, I think it it shouldn't slow the tournament down. You know, like, that's fine if you want to do all these things, but learn how to do it Quick, in a timely yeah. fashion. Yeah. So we're not playing five-hour rounds, dude. Like, oh, that's so play. Uh, it'll, it'll kill the tour if we're not careful. Like, yeah. they may be more penal just because they're big-name players and they're bringing crowds and money. Like, I'm sorry, like... Like get yeah. the, like they need to be penalized way quicker in my opinion. In the European tour, they've they've been a lot stricter recently. Um, they even brought a rule to it. I think I said the Omega Championship in Switzerland last year, where they had a timed it was there was time rounds. Yeah. 
Oh, um, the whole round had a time on limit on it. It was Not all. It was. Shot. It was all clocked. Oh right. Okay. Every hole was clocked to make so. So it would. You were getting like rounds under four hours, which in professional golf's like groundbreaking. Really, when there's at this five and a half six hour rounds on the PGA yeah, Tour at the minute. Insane. That's that's too long. Like what, who 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 won it? Um, Riviera this year. Not Hoffman. Um. I have no idea, man. I can't even think of it. Um. Riviera. He won at Riviera this year. I, I, yeah, he won at Riviera this year. His he he he, he takes ridiculous long long time to hit the ball. He annoyed me. Oh. He'd um, back off it. He'd come back. He'd back off it again. He'd chat with his caddy. Yeah, 2018. 2019. Genesis Open. Who won the Genesis? Uh, that is the one, Mickey. It was according to this. Uh, JB Holmes. Ah, uh, yeah, you're right. He did. Um, he strikes the ball like ridiculously good, but he takes yeah. so long to play the game. <laughs> Still want to watch him because of it. Exactly, uh, man. Yeah. It's bad for it's really bad for the game, like really bad. Yeah, see, from my point of view, if I was watching someone taking too long, I like the action. You don't, you want to see the shots, but you don't want to see someone deliberating over it for however long. No, man, he was barely in the coverage. He was barely in the coverage because of that. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. So. All of a sudden, it's like, That's oh, crazy. JB Holmes is content to win. Everyone's like, what? Yeah, why? It's because we're not putting <laughs> we the camera seen on him because it's taking too long. Yeah, fair. right. Um, yeah, and I think that's something that the PGA Tour themselves find because, like you had said about the European Tour, they are very strong on their values in terms of the integrity of the game, like what are we doing this tournament is not just a singular event like this is going to be a butterfly effect like if we let this happen yeah. then this will happen and these companies will you know uh, uh you know just uh gravitate towards these kind of actions now because well you extended coverage here so uh you know we should get this uh commercial space More or this or that it's advertising oh bad it's so yeah. money focused yeah. um i think uh like if it wasn't bryson i'm sure they would put him on the clock you know but they're probably thinking hey this guy might win you know do we really want to put him on the clock and um you know yeah. It's a funny one. Do, yeah. do, we, do, we want a, do we want a lawsuit from Pure and Cobra? <laughs> yeah, dude. So, like, you know, um, I think it's in. I think it's in the conversation more than it should be. You know, uh, I think it should just be like, yo, we're playing a four and a half hour round max. Yeah. Like, you guys do this for a living. Figure it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we can't. We can't create that disservice to the guys who are playing behind you just because you need to go through your checklist and say, what's the wind doing? What's the, uh, you know, uh, air pressure. What is, you know, the water content of the grass that I'm hitting this ball out of seriously. Like these are all parameters that are gone through, Jeez, uh, from my understanding, but you know, why wouldn't you, you know, if when it's, if it's quick, point. then yes. Yeah, but yeah, right. but if, if, if it's not penalized, and you've got you've got no reason not to. Yeah. But like, but the, the same the same it's thing. It's like, fault. yeah, Bryson's not a bionic superhuman. I'm sorry, no matter how many factors you take into consideration, you cannot tell me a human body is capable of judging the water content and the grass beneath you, and then adjusting your swing accordingly no. to, to 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 hit the ball uh, pure. No. That's just not like, 
that, that's called feel. And yes, there is feel involved in, in your lies and shots and stuff. But working out like numbers related to like yeah, density no. and stuff, like, it's just like, ugh, no. takes the fun out of it. Yeah. Um, I think that's one thing that he doesn't uh, do as well and isn't talked about very much is uh, regulating his internal environment uh, separate of space and time. So like, okay, we're in this, we're in this tournament here. I have this putt, um, you know, it, it's, it's uh, this hole, I'm at this number. And sometimes when he doesn't perform, it, he, he loses his cool a little bit. I think I saw him smash his putter into the green or something like that uh, it, out of like frustration. And it's like, man, you're going to put all this time and effort into studying like the mechanics of the swing and the outcomes and all the different effects and this and that. But um, that that goes by the wayside, you yeah. know. When you act, um, when you act like a child after you fit a bad shot, yeah. And and as well, and as well, Bryson, if you, if if you ever do come across this, like I like you, <laughs> but your putter is anchored. It's like, how's how's his putting stroke legal? Um, that's a good question. Uh, that's right up against would, his form, I, isn't it? But like, yeah. Um. Yeah, you know, I think anchored is a term that is only uh linked to the like the the torso or the chin area like your hands ball on, onto the club and like your your arms are an extension of your hand really hmm. um so that would be like saying if i uh you know grab the bottom of the grip with my wedge and i had it rested up against like my left forearm and i was hitting chip shots like that like is that still anchored mm -hmm. you know yeah um, it's it's it is it is blurred lines yeah. yeah uh but my my question to you here is do you think that anchoring your putter is that much of an advantage uh my honest answer is i don't have a clue um, I just uh, what I'm trying to get is like if 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 anchoring your put on your forearm is legal, then how how is that more or less advantageous than anchoring your put on your chin or your stomach or your belly? Um, to say it's, it's, that's using question. They're, they're using the same signs like hinging against something to keep your to Stable. keep your, your hands out your action. Right. Um, I. I don't know. I, I, I haven't studied it, so I can't give like a, a purposeful opinion, really. But it's just like a observation, I guess. Yeah, I would. I would have to agree. Like that's definitely a loophole. Me too. Because yeah, it's, it's a loophole. It's the same yeah, yeah. concept. You're stabilizing the grip with another portion of your body. You yeah. know, outside of your hands, which it's like. Uh, think of the greatest putters of all time did any of them ever anchor their putters like no they all used putters that were held in their hands they were all very feel oriented like ben crenshaw dude if you listen to him talk about putting on youtube it's just like the simplest stuff it's just like yeah you know you want to feel the weight of the putter and it's like god like that's all you think about you know yeah there's no secret and it's just uh, super simple stuff that are always related to just feeling the weight yeah. of the putter head. Uh, I think Bobby Locke was like a good putter, a really good putter too. And he had like a, 
a similar kind of stroke. I mean, Jack was a great putter, very handsy with it. Uh, Tiger was a, is a super good putter. My favorite, uh, my favorite putter on tour is Ricky Fowler. That that stroke so uh, beautiful. So he, yeah, um, I love everything about his stroke, uh, and it just kind of makes me scratch my head why the USGA would would even make that rule. Like it's it's not that advantageous. So why why you know, sweat the small stuff? Yeah. yeah, and that is such a knock to the golf economy, too, because then you have all these putters that are belly putters, chin putters, that are just going to lay on the shelves because they're not legal. And they're going to stop like, making them as well. And the old, like, 75-year-old right. sort of doesn't have the flexibility to bend over a putter. Like, he needs the hinge. Yeah. Like, he needs yeah. the belly putter. Right. But yeah, but yeah. That's a good point, dude. Uh, I had not thought about that. Um. Yeah, I don't. Uh, that that entire rule is just kind of a head scratcher. I never like putt with a chin putter or a belly putter or this or that. And I just wow, like this guy doesn't miss anything. You yeah. know, it's a uh, kind of a crutch almost. Yeah. Uh, Adam Scott and Bernard Langer are the only two that I can really consider that I think of that are like really good putters with those putters. You know, and Adam Scott. Haven't heard his name in a while, you know. Yeah, he's um, he, he struggled with the rule changes. He, he he's had a bit of a really good form this year, but like, yeah, he he struggled with he struggled massively with the rule changes. Yeah, it's a shame, dude. Um, yeah, Michael, so, sorry to cut you off, bro, but honestly, we, we've got we've got to wait o'clock, and we we've got we've got to shoot. We didn't think it would, we, we didn't think it would take this long. Um, <laughs> we just got we just got we just got deep into it. I just looked at the computer there. Um, so yeah, sorry, bud, but we're gonna have to cut yeah. it up, I guess. What we'll do is we'll do the usual, so we'll do like a wrap up statement, but don't go anywhere, Michael. We'll chat to you after the podcast. We've stopped recording, so and then we'll say proper goodbyes and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, as well, I just want to make sure we wish you a happy birthday live on the podcast as well, because we didn't do that at the start. Okay, yeah. Uh, we said off, so happy birthday, and uh, yeah, I do really hope you enjoy the rest of your day, whatever you have got planned. Um, but yeah. Yeah, what just to sort of close the statement, Michael. Obviously, we'll do this again. We're we'll obviously growing a relationship here, but. Uh, what can any of the JJ Nation or any of your community expect from you over the next few months as you continue your grind and hustle? Yeah, um, so I'm going to be integrating a lot of the uh, implications and intuitions I've gained from the research project that I did into right. my um, into like my instruction and my my content too. Right. So. Like I said, I got those little pair of, like camera glasses That's right sick. there, and I, I love the glasses. It's super easy to explain. Um, I'm going to put out a little bit more uh, information on like why I use like elastic bands and the the mental processes to yeah. help, um, you know, allow your body to move in different directions instead of just trying to force it. You know, yeah. so um, different mental cues. Uh, to fix, uh, you know, anything under the sun, really, just uh, mostly full swing stuff. Uh, probably a little bit of golf course uh, management type stuff. Get out there, hit a couple putts, um, go through those processes. But you know, whatever pops up, man. Um, oh, nice. Trying to get over to the UK. Yeah, no, yeah, we, no, we, 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 we are. We're getting closer to going to the states. We're um, obviously as we're growing, we're, we're starting to get more connections, networks, sponsorships, that sort of thing. 
Uh, so we do hope to be out there soon. Uh, but for anyone who hasn't seen Michael before, like get on his Instagram. If you want to learn how to hit the ball further, if you want to hear something different, something unique that's derived from like individual, like uh, individual sort of uh, what word I'm looking for. From individual, individual perspective. No, individual tests. He's, Michael's gone out there, done the oh, test right, himself, yeah, yeah. crushed like crunched numbers himself, and derived his own answers, yeah. which is like remarkable. You're not just taking from other people's um sort of books if you like you're making your own yeah that's admirable um you're creating a new unique way in which people can learn the game learn how to get better so keep doing you if you haven't seen him go and check him out and a lot of his content is hilarious as well. it's so funny like, so <laughs> he's a chiller look at him he's, he's chilling there he's had about two two or three big fat doobies this morning he's looking good he's feeling good and if you, if, if you want to go and feel ashamed about the size of your biceps i'd suggest you check out his page as well <laughs> Hey, you know, all good. Stuff. <laughs> you know, like a fucking uh, a goal or something. I don't know. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate you guys having me on. No, honestly, uh, Michael, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Love going deep. Nice to connect with familiar minds. So um, keep doing what you're doing too, and uh, let me know if I can do anything to to help you out too. No worries, bro. Same no over here, man. And I'm sure, obviously, we speak every week. So yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll see you next time. Dear me, man. <laughs> See you later, Mike. All right. Take it easy, boy. All right. See you guys. Bye.